Welcome to Starting Points, a Faith on Hill podcast. Starting Points goes through all of the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and every major section of the Bible. It's designed to be a starting or a restarting point for anyone and everyone to read, study, and know the Bible, which we believe to be the Word of God. Today we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is one of those books that, uh, you know, is well known, um, probably more quoted than some other books of the Bible. It's actually uh, tricky from a preaching standpoint to teach because it is, uh, it's not organized like any other book of the Bible. A proverb is a short, pithy saying that is using to state a general truth or piece of advice. And then I had to go look up what the word pithy meant, because it's one of those words that you kind of know what it means, but if, if you're like a little kid asks you to explain it, you'd be like, oh, got to look it up on the dictionary. Um, but pithy is a short, concise statement uh, that is kind of made to um, have impact. So these short, impactful sayings that are used to convey a general piece of truth or advice. And generally speaking, uh, this book is attributed in authorship to Solomon. Um, and authorship is, you know, I think the general Bible reading public who wrote the book of Proverbs, Solomon, that's the answer you get. And the wisdom of Solomon is something that is a saying or a concept that is even beyond the average like Bible reading person. Like non-Christian people might have heard the saying, the wisdom of Solomon. They might not know who Solomon is or why he's so wise. Maybe they just saw that Shazam movie and they were like, oh, that's part of that. He's this ancient mythological wise guy. But Solomon was the son of David. He was the third king of Israel, the second in the house of David to be king. And he is attributed to having the authorship, but there are other authors. There's uh, the sayings of the, the 30 sayings of the wise, which Solomon did not attribute to himself. And then later parts of the book, uh, from chapter 25 through chapter 29, uh, the people who are described as Hezekiah's men are, are said to have taken uh, sayings and, and thoughts attributed to Solomon, and it says that they put them in order. And then finally, uh, chapter 30 is the oracle of Augur, who is an unknown sage, and then chapter 31 is the Proverbs of the mother of Lemuel, written to Lemuel. Um, so there are those who think that Lemuel was just another name for Solomon, but even if that's the case, he didn't write them. It would have been his mother, uh, Bathsheba, who wrote them. So uh, the idea is that Solomon, while certainly may have written most of the book of the Proverbs or have been the source of the, the Proverbs, uh, he was certainly not the only author. Uh, the book's divided generally speaking, into five parts. Uh, J. Vernon McGee, who's a Bible commentator that has been respected for many, many decades, uh, he said that the first nine chapters are the contrast between wisdom and folly. And if you read through the book, you'll see that, yeah, the first nine chapters is Solomon writing this general theme, and he's, here's what wisdom does, here's what foolishness or folly does. Then, uh, chapter 10 through 24, uh, Solomon uh, puts together a collection of his own sayings or, or things attributed to him, or maybe things that he thought were worth people knowing. Um, 
you know, he, he said, I've read this. I think this is of value. Uh, for example, within uh, this second section is that 30 sayings of the wise. And I would probably uh, put that as its own section, uh, but that's just nitpicking. And I think sometimes you just kind of have to accept uh, what the the scribes and rabbis and uh, biblical scholars and, and so on uh, gave us. And so I'm not going to argue with them. Uh, now, as I said, the Proverbs are Solomon, the son of David. Um, you know, this collection of, of memorable short statements. Uh, it's part of this larger section of the wisdom literature that's included in Job and Psalms and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. Uh, but even within that, like I said earlier, the book of uh, Proverbs is kind of unique. And if you want to know more about the bigger section of uh, poetic literature, uh, you can go back to a previous episode, two episodes ago, where we talked about that. It, it is unique structurally in that it's sort of a collection of individual statements without context or organization by topic. It wasn't like they said, here's everything Solomon had to say about people, and here's everything Solomon had to say about justice, and here's everything Solomon had to say about money, and this is everything he had to say about life and love and whatever. It's just kind of scattershot. Sometimes you get a bigger thread, like the first nine chapters is wisdom versus folly, but a lot of it's just kind of all over the place. Um, It's unique in its structure. It was mostly a collection of individual statements. It's unique in its theology, where it's concerned with practical life more than ideas about God and his work of salvation. Uh, Some people get troubled by that. I would say that there's a bigger, more holistic approach. We'll actually talk about more of that next week when we get into the book of Ecclesiastes. But it's, it's not concerned with a bigger overarching narrative. It's really concerned with daily life. It's unique in its connection with secular, secular literature of its time. Uh, The neighboring major powers, Egypt to the west and south, Babylon to the north and east, had their own collections of wisdom literature. Uh, And in fact, in some places, there's significant similarities to these writings. Um, There have been those who have, uh, you know, pointed out that specific verses seem to borrow from some of these writings. Uh, Ross notes that the genre of wisdom literature common in the ancient world and there's copious amounts of material specifically from ancient Egypt. Uh, some of them were titled The Instruction of Fahoteb, The Teachings of Amenpo, uh, The Instruction of Anai, and then the Babylonians had their Instructions of Shurupak, The Councils of Wisdom, and the Words of Agar, which is an interesting one since Agar is uh, you know, listed in chapter 30. So you wonder if, um, if that's a sort of a... Uh, change from, you know, uh, Babylonian to Hebrew or Aramaic into uh, Augur. Um, Proverbs 22, for example, uh, almost a direct borrowing from the teachings of uh, Amamop, uh, which is that Egyptian writer. Um, and there's a debate about who borrowed whom. Did, did the Egyptians borrow from Solomon? We know uh, from uh, the book of First Kings, Second uh, Kings Chronicles, we know that um, people came uh, African leaders came and, and met with Solomon. The Queen of Sheba is very notable. So it's one of those things that people could say, oh, well, Solomon was just stealing from others. What if they stole from him? What if there was a cross-pollination? Uh, if the Proverbs is the borrower here, this is a, a Bible scholar named Kidner. If the Proverbs is the borrower, then the borrowing is not slavish, but free and creative. Uh, Egyptian jewels, as in the story of the Exodus, that have been reset to their advantage by the Israelite workmen and put to use. Uh, And he's referencing there that they took 
jewels and gold that was given to them on their way out in the Exodus, and then they repurposed them for other purposes. And so, it, you know, Kidner's saying, hey, yeah, he might have taken a concept or an idea and said, this is, this is a, a worthy thought, and then expanded on them within the context of the true God and, and knowing uh, him and his ways. Now, one of the questions that we always ask on this podcast is, what's the human story in this book? The human story, I think, is, is the choice between foolishness and wisdom, the battle between righteousness and injustice, choosing the way that you will go individually, as a community, and as a country. And if we go the wrong way, how to find our way back. What an incredibly human story. Uh, we teach our, our young people, this is the way that you should go. This is the way that will go best for you. But we know it's, it's almost a cultural identity, a, a cultural norm in our society that you choose to go. And then how do you find your way back if you choose the wrong path? Now, what are the landmines? What are the controversial points? What are the points of debate or, or divisiveness? Generally speaking, people don't argue with the Proverbs. The Proverbs are, um, you know, some of it's just really like common sense things like, you know, uh, like when Jesus said, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. That's a proverb of Jesus. Uh, you know, that, that's just true. You go out to cause fights, you're going to maybe get hurt in a fight. Uh, Proverbs 31, though, is a massive minefield, and it's a massive minefield for every side of every debate that it brings up. Traditional versus modern gender roles, for example. Proverbs 31 is this thing that gets quoted, um, you know, every Mother's Day, it gets read. It's like this ideal of a biblical woman. But it's interesting to me that those who hold to like a traditional, what we might call a traditional gender role for women, you know, a woman should stay home and raise the kids. And then you read Proverbs 31 and she's like a real estate agent. She's going out, she's buying land, she's selling land, she's trading. Like it's, it's like you could read it and say, is she a real estate agent? Is she a day trader in stocks? Like what's going on? This doesn't fit that role. And at the same time, it, it doesn't fit modern roles either. How alcohol is treated in Proverbs 31 is really uncomfortable for some, but then also for others, you know, in different parts of the Proverbs. Uh, how to treat the poor and the needy uh, shines a mirror to our own brokenness. The, these things, actually, Proverbs 31 to me is like the big, like, no one wins because everybody grabs a hold of Proverbs 31 and thinks that it, it fits their side or it's like, ha, see, the Bible is just everything I've thought it was. And it doesn't. It challenges everyone. I think the Proverbs themselves can be a landmine, not in any specific verse, chapter, or proverb, but just that they are themselves. People quote them without thought or context. They'll quote the Proverbs and are totally unthinking to like, well, what was meant by that? This is a simplified statement. What's the, how do you unpack that? How do you work it out? How do you live it out in context? And people don't like to think that deep. Where's Jesus? The wisest thing, the Proverbs, the book of wisdom, the wisest thing someone can do is surrender their life to Jesus. The most foolish thing any person can do is to reject Jesus and all that he offers and all that he is. The Proverbs itself make this clear. The Proverbs is not a magical formula. This is uh, Phillips, another Bible commentator. Rather, the Proverbs bring wisdom and blessing, but they don't bring it by incantation. It's not like you just repeat the proverb over and over again, and that'll somehow make something happen. He quotes Proverbs 26, 7, where it says, like a, a lame man's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of fools. So he's saying, hey, if you have somebody who um, 
you know, is paralytic. Their legs, their legs don't function. He says, if you have the Proverbs, if you have all the wisdom, but it's, it's held in the mouth of a fool, it's, it's not useful. Proverbs can be used by fools and they're, they're useless. You know, we have, oh, oh, we have church and faith and values and, you know, family and faith. And we have all these little isms and things that people put up on, on placards that they hang up in their entryway in their home. But apart from Jesus, it's meaningless. It's useless. It doesn't do anything. Church without Jesus, useless. Religion without Jesus, dangerous. And yet that's what people do. If we go to the Proverbs and miss Jesus, they are useless to us. Proverbs 1, chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. How do we know Yahweh? How do we know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? How do we know the Bible, the God of the Bible? We only know God through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And that was said in the context of one of his disciples, Philip, saying, Jesus, could you just show us God the Father? And, and he says, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When we try to understand the wisdom of God apart from Jesus, we fail. When we try to know God apart from Jesus, we fail. If wisdom, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord, then knowing or thinking we have the fear of the Lord, oh, I'm a God-fearing person. Are you surrendered to Jesus? No. Then you are not a God-fearing person. I'm a person that seeks wisdom. Have you rejected Jesus? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in the Jesus. Well, then according to the Proverbs and according to the Bible, this isn't for you. I think the Proverbs is helpful, is, is useful. There, there are concepts and ideas that are hard learned, that are worth our time and study. That young people gain wisdom by studying the Proverbs. Old people return to wisdom, gain fresh perspective. You know, we're trying to figure out how do we live our lives in a world that has changed incredibly in the last 10, 20 years. Go to the Proverbs, get wisdom, but don't think that you will find anything if Jesus is not first and foremost in our lives and how we read the Proverbs and how we live our lives and how we seek wisdom. Only through Jesus and the Holy Spirit who Jesus has given us can we fully understand these things? Can we fully live in wisdom and avoid folly and foolishness? I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the Starting Points Podcast. All of our uh, podcasts are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You just have to search Faith on Hill. You'll find Starting Points, the 20-minute Bible study, Talk About Anything, as well as our Sunday morning content. Video versions are available on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. We'd love it if you'd liked and subscribed and all that kind of social media stuff. We'll see you Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. as we gather together to study the Bible and worship Jesus. And we'll be back next time for another episode of the Starting Points Podcast.